don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. Many times when a haunting has persisted over several years, you can almost speculate as to who is doing the haunting. In some cases, such as a theater, it's usually a certain actor or actress that really enjoyed their time there or maybe had a tragic accident on the stage. In the case of a haunted house, it may have been a previous owner. Again, possibly with some type of tragedy taking place. It is on rare occasion, though, that there are hauntings that seem to last for a numerous amount of years without really anyone knowing who that specter may be. Tonight, you will learn about one of those cases as we discuss Indiana's The Andrew Mansion. One of the most famous homes in Laporte was built sometime after 1845, the year that Dr. George L. Andrew came to Indiana. The mansion no longer exists, but the stories surrounding it still do. Andrew and his wife, Catherine Piot, daughter of one of the founders of Laporte, built their three-story colonial on what is now the corner of 1st and 10th Streets. It was one of the grandest structures in the Midwest. Four towering columns rose above the veranda that stretched the width of the house. A second floor porch overlooked a circular driveway. A sunroom was set up at the rear. Inside the house, there were several dozen chambers as well as five set aside above the kitchen for the servants. There is little to suggest that during their time in the home, the Andrew family experienced anything out of the ordinary. Dr. Andrew continued to work as a physician and also served in the Army of the Potomac and the Army of the West during the Civil War. A garden designed by New York Central Park landscaper Frederick Law Olmsted was added to the mansion containing an example of each plant native to Indiana. When Andrew retired from the practice in 1885, he and Catherine sold their house to the Dunn family. The Dunns remodeled and tore out the servants' quarters. They lived in the dwelling until 1904 when they sold it to the Gwynn family. The Gwyns occupied the mansion from 1904 to 1948, and it was during these years that reports of hauntings started trickling in. In the interviews provided by the LaPorte County Historical Society Museum, Madeline Gwynn Kenny, former curator and daughter of the Gwyns, recounts how one day while she was living in the house, she was cleaning an empty closet when she heard something clattering to the ground behind her. When she turned around, she saw four coins lying there, two pennies and two nickels. They were dated respectively 1876, 1877, 1867, and 1869. She had no idea where they came from and upon closer inspection, found no holes or cracks in the walls from which they might have dropped. 
Days later, during a raging blizzard, the bell at the front door began to ring. Mr. Gwynn, thinking it might be someone seeking assistance, rushed to the door and opened it. When he looked out, all he saw was snow. The porch was empty and there were no sign of tracks. Kenny says that she often heard footsteps pounding up and down the staircase, only to find no one there when she investigated. Countless mornings, the family would wake up to find every door and every window in the home wide open, even though they had been securely locked the night before. But rather than them being frightened, Kenny says that she was curious and actually enjoyed the hauntings. As she puts it, one never knew what the ghost would do next. The Zimmerman family was the last family to live in the Andrew Mansion. They too experienced hauntings, but they were not as eager as the Gwens to embrace them. In fact, at one point, Mr. Zimmerman, exercising his constitutionally protected Second Amendment rights, bought a revolver in the hopes that it might scare away the spirit who opened and closed doors and breathed down people's necks. An incident eerily similar to the one Kenny experienced happened to Miss Zimmerman as she was cleaning out the closet one day. She had removed the wallpaper, washed the walls, closed the door, and gathered up her supplies when she heard the distinct sound of tinkling. She opened the closet door and found a small pile of silver coins lying in the center of the floor. She had no idea where they had come from. As before, the ghost exhibited to the family its particular fondness for ringing the doorbell. One of the Zimmerman's daughters was home alone when she heard the bell ringing. She opened the front door but found no one there. She shut the door and started walking back up the stairs when the bell rang again, and again, and again. She quickly scurried to the top of the stairs. When she finally worked up the courage to go back down, the front door was open and snow was blowing into the entrance. Few, if any, are said to have actually seen the ghost responsible for these incidents. But Jenna, another of the Zimmerman girls, was out picking flowers in the garden one spring day when she felt a distinct chill and could not shake the feeling that she was being watched. Jenna looked all around, but she saw nothing until she glanced up at the house. At the attic window, she saw the figure of a woman the woman was standing and looking down upon her. No sooner had she realized what was happening that the woman disappeared. Jenna knew that there were no visitors in the house that day, and a quick inspection of the attic revealed to her that no one had been up there in several years. The Zimmermans eventually moved away, and this time no other family came to take their place. The mansion turned into a favorite haunt of thrill-seekers who came there in search of ghosts. To summon the ghost, these people built fires on the home's once beautiful floors. Eventually, the house was condemned. And in the early 1970s, the whole thing was torn down to make way for a medical center. But when the gleaming new building was finally opened, it seemed that something from the Andrew Mansion had been left behind. Doctors and nurses reported elevators moving on their own accord, with doors opening and closing even though no one was pushing the buttons. Custodians noted doors of the bathrooms being locked from the inside, though the bathrooms were empty, windowless, and lacking a second exit. 
no one is certain who the ghost of the building is, but a popular theory holds that before Laporte became a settlement, the Potawatomi Native Americans regularly camped on the prairie lands that the city sits on today. Apparently, they were drawn to the area by a small pond, which they named Came and Went. At times, torrential rains would fill in the pond to great depths. At other times, the pond would be nearly dry. In 1848, pressures of white settler migration forced the Potawatomi Native Americans to move to Kansas. On their journey, many groups passed by the Came and Went Pond. It is said that young Potawatomi girl became ill and died there. She now continues to walk the land of her ancestors, perhaps amazed by the gadgets and the structures that have altered the landscape of the Came and Went Pond forever. So 